going to dance. We're going to dance. We're going to dance and have some fun. Dig. Sanity Collective. I am so excited to share this episode with my wonderful friend and talented, insightful tarot reader and intuitive and artist, Trista Jean with Pretty Bananas Tarot. All of her links are in the show notes, and of course, she will be tagged in the posts and whatnot. So it will be very easy for you to go find her and follow her and book a reading because she gives amazing readings and uh, I know you're going to want to go find her and follow her after this conversation. I had such a wonderful feeling listening to it back again and I we just did it yesterday. So um, this one's special. They're all special. And I don't compare them with each other, but I feel really good about this. And I'm, I'm happy to think that being vulnerable and forthcoming and honest about ourselves and things that we've been through and how far we've come may help others do the same. I love you all, and I love you, Trista. Thank you for being on here. We had such a good time. Uh, There's no real introduction. We just started talking, so that's why I did this intro more so than I usually do. And um, enjoy this episode, and I will be back at you probably in a couple days. I need to tell the story of how my high heart chakra is being repaired and how I'm in this very interesting it's almost like an energetic surgical theater being insulated and protected a little bit while I'm healing it's very interesting and amazing and AOE 
angel on earth did it and I sure hope that um, it turns out to be as helpful as I think it will I'm already feeling amazingly better physically for sure I mean better in all ways but especially physically alright my loves And then I'll, uh, I may or may not ever use the video. So don't worry about that. I just, it okay. automatically pulls out the audio and I know that connection has been so crummy. I wanted to make sure that, um, it, it would work because <laughs> we had such a wonderful conversation last time, but, uh, nobody else got to share it. <laughs> um, I think it happened for a reason. I, I think know, so what... too. I think, yeah. you know, it really makes a lot of sense, actually, because divine timing wise, um, what's been coming through for the last week is so much um, like ancestral stuff and family dynamics. Yes, yes and that's so, true. So I think maybe like it's better for it to come out now when people maybe yeah. need that, you know. That's so. true, because just like my ancestors came through in that healing, mm-hmm. that's very... That was huge. I had the same experience happen. I had a few, and since I met so few members of my family beyond my grandma um, on my Mm -hmm. mom's side, I didn't recognize everybody, but I know that my great-great-grandma who was a witch was there, and um, probably, I think, my... um, my grandfather, who I never got to meet, who was a mason and did like psychic surgery and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Oh, that's so So, cool. Yeah, so it was really amazing. And, um, but yeah, like the whole fam family, and you could tell that they were like really happy, you know, like, yeah. oh, she figured it out. Thank goodness. Exactly, that's what what I felt like. Thank you for healing this. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, getting choked up. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> it, was I'll do a, it was like such a big thing. Yeah, please talk about it. Cause this is a this will be I'll put um an official intro in the beginning so that people know who you are. Okay. And I'll just say we were just talking as friends and we didn't do a formal intro. So um, all right. So so should I backtrack to the story? Sure. <laughs> yeah, if so, you want to. So, all right, just real quick. I had a healing with uh Jess and Oscar. Uh, Jessica Lynn and Oscar this week and um, at one point in the healing session my the female lineage of my ancestry came through and came and surrounded me and I could feel them like touching me and like there was so much like love and gratitude for me having been willing to work through this ancestral trauma that like and a lot of it has to do with like women submitting to men and like losing their voice and losing their power. That is such a huge thing in my lineage of just women being submissive. And like, it was just huge. The, the fact that I tackled that or Mm -hmm. am tackling that it's an, it's still an ongoing process, but that healing process was just like so empowering. And now I feel like like I'm starting to move through it 
you know, like I've, I've mm -hmm. broken through the wall and now I'm at a point where I'm going to probably have to cut ties with mm -hmm. more people because I can't have them in my energetic field anymore because they represent what I'm trying to heal from. And I right. don't want that around me anymore. So, right. I understand that feeling for sure. And especially, uh, you know, there's, there are cases where you can like forgive people their feelings or whatnot but if if they are toxic in your presence and like they have no exactly they're nothing about mm -hmm. them has changed like my mom for instance you know she she was a very uh she struggles with mental illness so she battles borderline personality disorder and um bipolar disorder and was untreated for a good part of her life and then also has some he uh, head trauma so mm -hmm. when I was growing up and especially as an adult it was very difficult to have a relationship with her there were times we had to be cut off because she would do you know narcissistic parent things and um it would be very um you know very painful and difficult and it was like always me trying to and you know it kind of was always like that love bombing cycle a bit only with my mother mm -hmm. <laughs> because yeah, I would yeah. like I think she would know she was doing things that weren't okay and then try to make up for it and then go back to her bad behavior mm -hmm. and you know the whole cycle yeah so yeah. it's really only been since she got mild dementia that I can have more of um a closer relationship with her because she is no longer it's like she forgot the behaviors and to be honest oh, wow. if she was still treating me that way I could not help her I would have been like all right universe I'm sorry but she's gonna have to you know go to assisted living or something because yeah, I cannot do yeah. all this stuff but um yeah thankfully I could do it and she's mostly there occasionally there'll be little things that come up and I'm like oh boy here we go mm -hmm. but but then I immediately realized she has no idea that she's doing it yeah she and, and the interesting thing is um AOE pointed this out for me angel on earth but like she doesn't remember any of the things that happened in her life that were bad or anything like related with me that were bad like it's almost like she mm -hmm. her brain went through and just erased all the trauma oh, and wow. so and it was so hard having to remind her of a lot of it when she was getting diagnosed because I had to be her memory at the psychiatrist mm -hmm. but when she um you know, when, once that was over, I mean, that's like out of her mind pretty much once it's out of the bag anyway, yeah. but, uh, the, it's like part of the reason, cause I was getting really frustrated with that. I was like, yeah. it's very convenient. You remember nothing bad you ever did, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah. I, but I started to understand and AOE pointed out to me and I was like, oh, you know, that really makes sense. Um, is that, part of the reason that th that's just gone is that that was a role she was there to play and no longer mm -hmm. has to play it and mm -hmm. so that's made it easier for me to just let it go and 
you know, move forward. But I was being understandably cautious and self-protecting about whether I was being manipulated or because she's, well, she's smart enough that even with mild dementia, she managed to fool everybody for a couple of years and she was fine. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Yeah. So she has a genius IQ, even though she's got this other stuff going on. So it's like the part of her brain that works is very, very, uh, good at masking and then the part of her brain that doesn't is the one that like takes care of stuff so but anyway we didn't want to talk about my mom and her (laughs) but the ancestor stuff is important and you know I had a similar experience this last week with some of my ancestors coming in which I've never felt so strongly before in my life I mean I have been aware of their spirits before Mm -hmm. but never in this way this was like um just amazing feeling I it's hard to even describe but you know because you did it but yeah I think it's timely that because uh what listeners don't know right now is that (laughs) Trista and I (laughs) a couple months ago had an appointment to um have a podcast interview and we every tech problem in the book um and it was there were like these (laughs) giant solar flares so that was affecting communications and we wound up having a delightful conversation but it never recorded and Mm -mm. what we were talking about was soul families and how we both know that certain like we know members of our family or our children or whatnot were other people or that we Mm -hmm. were other people in their life and we had been talking about that then because we wanted to share it but it kind of seems like now is a more divine timing um with that because I think ancestors are coming in strong right now because the veil is thin they're trying to get us to stand up for ourselves and when you were talking about the female disempowerment it gave me chills because the the there's been so many things coming up for me personally and others that I talk to and hear from that is directly about that one thing. It's like we are being called as the more empathic, more likely to be passive people um, Mm -hmm. to really stand in our power in a healthy way, not in an unreasonable Mm -hmm. confrontational way, but um, in a loving way to stand in our power and say we're not going to tolerate this anymore yeah period you know and be willing to do that uh, no matter what the reaction of other people might be which is hard that's so. the hard part because we mm-hmm. we're so conditioned to at least me like like I was raised by um, don't get me wrong I love my grandparents but they were both ministers and it was very much the uh the wife must be submissive Mm -hmm. to the man kind of thing and the weird thing about my upbringing is is that my parents dynamic is that my mom is more dominant Mm -hmm. than my dad so like I was but I was still raised around my grandparents so like I still had that like ingrained in me and then my peer group growing up was very much like that they were Mm -hmm. um like like the girl that I grew up with that is okay (laughs) we're polar opposites I had a because I'm an only child and my 
best friend growing up was my next door neighbor. And mm -hmm. our families are like three generations of friends. Actually, I think we're on four generations now. Officially. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Our families are completely intertwined. And they, her grandma went to the same church that my grandparents were pastors in. And I was always known as Reverend Mangus's granddaughter. Whenever I'd go to church with them, I was never Trista. I was Reverend Mangus's mm -hmm. granddaughter. Mm -hmm. And, um, and being raised around that. And then my peer group, it was very much like be submissive to the man. And then that friend that I grew up with, she went to a different church, which was kind of like a, it's hard to explain, but kind of related. It kind of spun off from my grandpa's church a little bit. He helped, my grandpa helped with the establishment of the other church, but she mm -hmm. went to this other church, which is borderline occult. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and she was raised to be very submissive to men. And at her wedding, she vowed to her husband that she would concede all of her rights to him. She has no say, zero mm. say in any of her, in any decision made for the family. She can give her input, but she can never, she can never make any decisions. And, and she vowed not to speak publicly or to speak to others ill of her husband. So she is not allowed to vent right. anyone about her husband. She cannot speak ill of him. She cannot make any final decisions. Like she vowed to submit to him. And growing up with her, she was she feisty bitch. Like she yeah. bullied me. <laughs> I love her to death, but she was like my big sister, you know? Uh -huh, uh -huh. And she, I mean, by the time she was 25, she was probably making close to six figures driving a Lexus, being a hairstylist outside of Los Angeles. Very mm -hmm. successful young woman. And then she took her life savings she took her life savings, handed it over to this guy, and signed off her rights. Wow. And they moved to Ohio, and now she's a stay-at-home mom, mm -hmm. homeschooling their three Christian kids, and, like, they're not allowed to, like, interact with, like, non-Christians and whatnot. Like, mm. it's very, like, isolated, and I'm like what the hell happened? You Like, I know she was raised Christian, but she took it to the, like, this right. other extra. Yeah. It is interesting. I'm not, it almost seems like when those things happen that it's, it's like a reflexive reaction to fear of being um, powerful. You know what I mean? Like Ooh, fear yeah. of up against the system, the, her, her family, all those things. And maybe got to That's a certain true. level of success and then when she did fall in love with somebody it was like oh I don't have to have all this pressure I can do this other thing and not that being a stay at because I was a stay-at-home mom but I also yeah. did other things and you know it's not a yeah, yeah, stay-at-home yeah. mom thing it's just it's part of that sub being submissive like uh, mm -hmm. and god I mean and the thing about that that gives me chills the part about not being able to speak and yeah giving that as a vow is what if they're hurting you what are you so who do you tell you know in that circumstance you feel like you can't tell anybody and it makes it exactly. all on you and your problem and responsibility to manage everything feeling wise in the home and yeah you know do all that um without any way to take care of yourself and have your, I mean, I just, I couldn't.
And, you know, there were ways in which in my marriage, I, I definitely um, made concessions, but yeah, I, like I, that wasn't even in our vows. I was like, I'm not saying that. <laughs> and yeah, at the time yeah. he was an atheist. So that made it pretty easy. But I was like, you know, nope, we're writing our own vows. I'm not doing that. Um, okay. I'm not going to obey yeah. anybody. <laughs> Let's get that straight right Seriously. out the gate. Yeah. I feel like I gave away a lot of my power to my ex, mm-hmm. but um, it was, he was atheist too, or agnostic. So like, I don't think it was like a religious thing for him. It's mm-hmm. more cultural. He's Hispanic. Mm-hmm. So right. Yeah. A little bit of a machismo thing going on. Yeah. Um, not, not, not as bad as some, but not as bad as his father, but like still. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think you have a point there. Like, um, I was afraid of stepping into my power. And so when I was with him, I kind of signed a chunk of that off to him because then I didn't have to, mm-hmm. I, I didn't have to deal with it. It and, makes um, it a little easier not to have to go against the grain because mm-hmm. one of the things that I think people forget or don't recognize, depending on what side of the coin they're on is that, um, when you're the one who is routinely oppressed, uh, you spend your whole life swimming upstream mm-hmm. and you just get freaking tired. You know, you get tired of pointing, fighting for your right to be. You get tired of fighting for your right to exist as yourself mm-hmm. and have your own sovereignty. And so I feel like we're going through this massive, like we, we were having and I'm sure that's still going on. There's like heart and throat chakra activation. Oh, big but, time. but right now, this particular moment with the shift with Jupiter and Neptune going retrograde, Mercury coming out of it. Uh, and it, I mean, it came up in the cards yesterday. It's coming up everywhere. I feel like the solar plexus is particularly being targeted right now because mm-hmm. that is what is required for us to be sovereign and to... Um, be able to stand in our own power and emanate our boundaries. Um, mm-hmm. But um, part of how we we got on this subject, listeners, is uh, there was a post and we started talking about it in the group that we're in about how um, both of us are like, we know that our kids were other people from our, our past mm-hmm. and talking about how some souls and then I, I have other past life recollection recollections that feature different people that I've known in this life and how there tends to be soul families that mm-hmm. incarnate together repeatedly and it's it's often in different configurations but uh still the same soul and the same energy yeah yeah um and I think we were talking about our sons mm-hmm. that we both have, like the dynamics between our sons are different than most mother sons, because especially like in my, from, in my case, like my son's very, um, he must've been like a father figure or something in a past life because, and I know I've incarnated with him. Like I, that there's just that vibe, but like he has a very fatherly energy towards mm-hmm. me and sometimes you wonder who's the parent and he's always 
checking on me, asking where I'm at, keeping tabs on me, at least when he's with me. He's very mm-hmm. like um, micromanaging and clingy to me. And he's 12 and a half. And mm-hmm. so like when we're in public, he wants nothing to do with me. Sure. But, when we're, <laughs> but, when we're at, but, but he still needs to know where I'm at at all times. You know, mm-hmm. like he won't admit that to anyone else, but he really does keep, ta- he really yeah. does keep tabs on me. And he's very, very protective of me very much so and um, even with his even with his family like he get he he doesn't he doesn't tap into the drama too much but he gets angry when they speak ill of me you know Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. he's very he's very 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 don't you dare talk about my mama (laughs) exactly exactly yeah, that that rings true for me too. Mine is 18 now, but when from the time he was very small, we talked about that about how both of our kids were very early verbal skilled. Like mm-hmm. started communicating in, in short sentences much younger than other kids. And yeah, then as they would grow up and start talking, oh I love the kitty. <laughs> they yeah. always come to talk to me, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Hi, hey, buddy. Hi, nice baby. Probably hear her I love it. Um, as he started to get older and express what, you know, they they say things that they have no way of knowing. They mm-hmm. they are interested in adult, and by adult, I mean you know, like documentary. Just for listeners, uh-huh. I, yeah. I don't mean the porn channel. I mean um, like. <laughs> I mean the Discovery Channel or you know other kids are watching like Barney and the Backyardigans you know and my kid is watching 24 hours if he could get away with it of the Discover Channel um Mm -hmm. things about you know wildlife Mm -hmm. it just Mm -hmm. very wanting to learn as much as he could and so fascinated and then um uh when they were when both my kids were about four and four and two, I guess, or maybe even three and one. I did have um, an Akashic Records reading, and then I had a past life regression with this gal, and my biological father died six weeks before I was born, and his name was Andrew, and I named my son Andrew because I was named after my dad, so it was kind of like a way of doing that, right, and it had never really occurred to me that he might come back and um oh and it's funny because I actually have some developments there with that kind of uh since the last time we talked that even reinforce it further but uh at any rate when I did this past life regression it came out that um you know yes he was my father Andrew and he came back to get to you know finish his life experience that was cut short and be here with me and um you know always very protective always checking on me even though you know his dad was well especially because his dad was around sometimes checking on me because his dad has a lot of behavioral uh issues and flaws that are painful for others but um so my son uh was and so what what came out in that past life reading was more than he was definitely my my father that died too young it came out that my his 
my ex-husband, his dad, uh, my son and myself in this life, I was a man that we all died together at Guadalcanal and that, you know, so this life with the three of us interacting, um, even though it was problematic and there were things that we were, um, we were, uh, working through that were hard and it was very difficult we were also doing a lot of healing and this was all part of an agreement we made. And at this point, I'm not, I'm not certain about my youngest, but it's quite possible that my youngest was my grandma that passed away in my early twenties. Cause she always said she was going to come back um, and be my kid because I'd be a good mom. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's, there's been like things that come up as they're getting older um, so my oldest now has a girlfriend who is younger than him, just like uh-huh. my dad was older than my mom, like not mm-hmm. a lot, but a few years, which when you're teenagers is a lot. Um, it is, yeah. <clears throat> um, and she, you know, she's from a pretty messed up family <laughs> and my mom was from a pretty messed up family and yeah. he, and so it's interesting he he isn't really you know into all the woo stuff yet and everything he's far too scientific to care about it right Mm -hmm. now which I understand but I did I was like it was hard because I wanted to remind him of this because I don't want him to recreate the entire story you know where yeah she gets pregnant and then (laughs) he dies we would like to see something other than that Oh, yeah, exactly. So I, I just kind of, since I couldn't say it straight out, I just said in a way, you know, it's so interesting, because your, your story right now, your, your first girlfriend that you love so much, this is a lot like uh, your grandfather's life, you know, yeah, and just sort of put the seed in there. But you know, but I know you two have a lot more knowledge, and you're going to be responsible. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Because yeah, uh, you don't need to do that yet. But it's just, it's interesting watching him try to like, you can just see that he is trying to do things better the second time. And he puts a tremendous amount of pressure on himself about it sometimes because it's unconscious. And so he gets really hard on himself when he, you know, things, when he's human. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, your son, like what was, is there anybody else in your family that you've like suspected was somebody else? I, I know my dad was, we, I had a uh, past life memory a few months ago of seeing my dad. I was, I don't know who the hell I was. I think I was female and I was part of the Elizabethan court under Queen Elizabeth the first. And I was part like one of, I'm not saying I was a princess, but I was like part of the court somehow. Sure. Like a lady in waiting or something. Is something. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I wasn't high up, but I was, dressed nicely in there Mm -hmm. and my dad was my cousin and I recognized him he was my cousin he was about 200 feet away from me and he was like a 
priest or like a friar or something like he had like the 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 religious attire on Mm -hmm. and I was and I recognized him and I I just I don't know how I recognized him because he doesn't look the same but like I recognized the spirit and I was like Mm -hmm. that's my dad this life and I was like holy jumping and I told him about it and um but yeah I do think that we incarnate in family groups and you know it's now that I'm thinking about it my dad his last life he died in world war one he was a bomber pilot or something and he mm-hmm. and he crashed and that's how he died from what he remembers and I died right after world war two so there may be a connection there because it's kind of in the same mm-hmm. general mm-hmm. hit so who knows we may have been in yeah. the same family that time too um Okay, doggy, I'm moving the boxes. Lay down next to me. She's all cranky because she's like, the cat gets to come to the podcast. I need to the podcast. Is that better? Hi, here I am. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I had another interesting um, thought, and I really don't, uh, you know, I don't know a ton about it. I haven't done a whole lot of research on it the only time I heard about and so this is why this is so funny and why I think this episode is going to be timely and I'll probably get it out as quickly as possible is because um, I recently had some downloads about myself and what it is to be a walk-in where oh wow where a soul um, you know they don't want to finish out their traumatic Mm -hmm. death and they're Mm -hmm. afraid of that and they don't want to do that they change their mind about it. And so then uh, somebody else who is willing to take on that traumatic death for yeah. the experience can step in and finish out that life. And it, it blew my mind because part of what I have uh, kind of struggled with, with my past life memories that I get is that even though I believe in, you know, the multiverse and fractalized timelines and all of that, I, I was still like just linear time wise, it didn't make sense to me that I could have had like, you know, four different lives and deaths in World War Two, mm-hmm. for instance, or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <clears throat> the walk in concept makes it make sense, you know, um, it does. And then also how much, uh, how much damage that I took on my physical and energy body that keeps, you know, following me into different incarnations mm-hmm. that other people, you know, readers, energy worker, pretty much anyone who gets their hands on me is like, whoa, I don't know where you've been, <laughs> but you <laughs> see some shit. You made some sacrifices. But um uh that made it make a lot more sense to me. And so I've been doing a lot more research and then you know how these things work. Like the synchronicities right now are insane. They're just mm-hmm. constant. Yeah. So I yes. only had that come to me a few days ago and then I'm, I'm online today and um, Ashley from Divine Dingo just put out a new episode with someone and this person is talking about walk-ins and <laughs> oh well, yeah. 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 So I can't wait to listen to that, but it, I, I think that is something that we're being made aware of so that we can understand Mm -hmm. ourselves better. I also kind of wonder if it's possible for two spirits to kind of share one, because I talk about like the multiple personality, because sometimes I'm not saying I'm like that now, but 
I feel like that there's been times in my life where there's been two of me mm-hmm. you know like I mm-hmm. feel like there is one to take the trauma then one to persevere kind of like mm. I, I don't know how to explain it but like when I was a kid I really feel like it was a whole different person that took like the sexual molestation and the abuse then after I got past that like once that person was out of my life like I feel like um will you guys knock it out I'm sorry my cats um (laughs) (laughs) but like uh, I have like I'm not gonna go off on that but like um now I lost my track. Oh, uh, you were talking about being a different person after you got past okay. the, yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, when I was in elementary school, like there was a period of time when I was about like, uh, when I was in fifth grade, I felt like I was living in the back of my brain mm. and I didn't feel like I was operating my body. I felt like I label that like my possessed period right, of time or something. Right. And then And then when I transitioned in middle school, like I still had the human memories, but I felt like a, I don't know how to explain it. There's like, there's a link, but I felt like a different person in some mm-hmm. ways. And I feel like that's who I am now is that person that would like mm-hmm. stepped in around 10, 11 years old and the inner child, the inner seven-year-old, she's still very much there. And maybe that spirit's still with me and part of me and integrated or I don't know how, I, I, I don't know shit. I don't know how it works, yeah. but I just feel like <laughs> it feels like two separate energies to me. You know? Right, right. Um, I wonder, have you ever uh, heard of or seen any of Carolyn Meese's work? She does, she did a book called Mm-mm. Sacred Contracts. And oh, what, yes, 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 yes. I have that book. What yeah. she goes into, which, you know, because you have it, is your that we have different archetypes, Mm -hmm. uh, energies that are within us. And so, you know, it might be possible that, that that's what that feels like. Cause I know for me, it it definitely feels like, okay, well, this is what this person, this archetype did. Um, Cause I, I did a soul contract workshop and it was, it was so helpful. Uh, I did that about 15 years ago and it really did give me a big window into myself. And um, I'm, I, I actually just got some arch- archetype cards, her archetype cards, and I'm oh, going to nice. be studying so that I can um, start doing that as like a class for people. That's awesome. Oh, Cause I yeah. think it would be really beneficial because uh, like you're saying, it's like, you feel these different parts of yourself and you're like, uh, so I definitely Uh, you know relate to that but the feeling of like okay well now uh this aspect of myself is in charge you know and then Mm -hmm. when these sorts of things come up this aspect of myself is in charge you know that's true yeah yeah I hadn't thought about it like that yeah but but I also think it is possible how I mean we're only just now really figuring a lot of stuff out you know and the expansive knowledge is just phenomenal but I have heard of like like twin souls or mm-hmm. souls that um live in the same body I've heard of cases where it's like uh like uh another spirit or you know your guide or some someone can step in kind of for you to take mm-hmm. the brunt of whatever's going on um if it's too much for you. I, I feel like I was, uh, 
I feel like I was like kind of like you were talking about like the me that is fully me was not like I was taken out of myself when I was a little child and those things were happening to me um Mm -hmm. so that is quite a quite a thought I have have you heard much about walk-ins before or I have, I have. Um, that's why I couldn't really, I don't really want to say I'm a walk-in, but like, because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't fully identify, but I have heard about walk-ins that like mm-hmm. one spirit's done with the body and another one's like, Hey, I'll go for the ride. Right. You know? Exactly. And it's definitely yeah. like, it, it, to me, it reminds me of like, cause part of what happens is that every time you experience uh, a death even if you didn't live that life you get all the memories and the experience mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you also get like a power up kind of from going through you know experiencing and overcoming that trauma of that death and uh so I guess there must be some of us who are like overachievers and just want to get that for myself the way I was looking at it and it kind of makes sense knowing myself is that um and also just the way the world has been uh for thousands of years because I I have been a male before but most of the time when I'm a male I'm like dying in battle somewhere um but uh I mostly incarnate as female. And according to the Kashuk readers that I've talked, you know, my soul is female. And so mm-hmm. I think for me, the idea of having to go through an entire lifetime with all of those freaking restrictions over and over again, I got tired of it and uh, didn't want to live a long life. Like, I think this is the first period or era of time that I am willing to live to a ripe old age. <laughs> because people are transitioning to a place of female empowerment and a balance between the divine feminine and masculine that's interesting just thinking about it I think I know my last death I died in my 40s I believe Mm -hmm. I think I died from health complications from post-world war ii like bombings and stuff Mm -hmm. in England Mm -hmm. and um like lung problems and stuff from all the stuff Mm -hmm. and um they tell me I died in 53, I think, but anyways, um, like, yeah, I wasn't very old and I'm sure my lives before that I wasn't very old. So mm-hmm. maybe this is the first time I'm, and on this lifetime, I know I'm here to stay for a while. Like, yeah, I'm gonna be same, here for same. A like same, I know I'm going to even, even with like, you would think we would have maybe more worry or anxiety just because of how the world's kind of cockamamie crazy and the, you know fear, yeah. fear fear but I know we're going to be here a long time mm-hmm. I know that yeah and it may even be that these are the lifetimes where we do get to transition to being mortal and just deciding whether we want to keep doing this or not Hey, Galactic Groovers, I'm going to attempt to succinctly tell you what I do and have this little spot on every episode so you can know what I'm all about. You can visit the square booking link on my Instagram page or my Facebook page at Grooming Goddess. You can email me at groominggoddess at gmail.com. And to book any readings with me, you can visit that square booking site, as I said. 
Some of the services I offer are an animal communication for 3333, and that is a 30-minute session where we connect with your pets and um, see what maybe they are trying to tell you that you can't quite understand. Then I have a grief mediumship, another 30-minute reading, and that is for anyone experiencing recent grief and having trouble moving through that. My um, specialty seems to be in that area, getting messages and contacting people's loved ones immediately after their passing. I have a mini reading special, which is four mini readings for 4444. I have a soul action plan reading, which is 5555, and that involves cards for your inner child, uh, earth self, ego self, your highest self, and your galactic team. And then lastly, I have syncretic oracle readings, which are 7777, as those cards are much more in-depth and pretty much cover every reading modality. And then lastly, if you would like to come on my podcast and get a reading live, I will read for you for free. You can book an interview at my Square booking site. If you would like to be on my podcast to discuss something groovy, you can also do that at the Square booking site. And if you would like me to be on your podcast, you can do that at the Square booking site. I look forward to hearing from you. I have a money-back guarantee for all my readings, and so far, nobody wants their money back, so I feel like I'm helping a lot of folks out there, and I would like to help you too. If you have any questions about any of these, give me a DM somewhere, anywhere, all the places. Much love to you all, and thank you for listening. Um, exactly but uh yeah that's it's been a fascinating thing I've been pondering it's on my head like I I know how you feel that you just you know worked with Jessica and Oscar because every time I work with them or AOE um or this really you know some of the Reiki practitioners I know there's like Mm -hmm. this this explosion listeners can't see what I'm doing right now because I'm talking with my hands <laughs> but I'm making like an explosion sign with my hand like my mind just it, it expands like a rocket all of a sudden it's like someone lit a firecracker and then that blows up and then I have all this new awareness um, mm-hmm. and having that awareness both of understanding that know your memories don't like they do make sense because you were doing more than one life at a time in an era yes um and then it also makes sense like it it makes me feel um more secure now because I know that that knowing is also correct about now you know that I am going to get to live a long life and um Mm -hmm. be with the people I love and because I don't think I've ever gotten to have grandkids ever I've had children oh, wow. some but not very much most of the lives mm-hmm. that I remember are all where I'm either a nun or a priestess or something like that oh wow and then um like there's been just a few occasional ones that were just like a regular life you know um yeah. like one time I I but usually those were like agreements where I I had like a soul contract with somebody and oddly yeah. enough, those people showed up in this lifetime to resolve things. They all do. <laughs> I know. I think right? they all do. 
yeah yeah nothing like uh exes from past lives <laughs> showing up <laughs> that's interesting I, mm. now i'm kind of wondering if one of my friends is an ex from a past life because we've been <laughs> we've put each other through some shit mm-hmm. and we're still friends mm-hmm. <laughs> like i've been the other woman like uh-huh. wow but yeah we're still wow. tight that's yeah. really great that's some tea right there and that's and what an, an amount of emotional intelligence for you both that you have been able to navigate your way through things that hurt or things mm-hmm. that are difficult um I feel like people are being much more, I know I am, and I know the people around me are slowly being much more authentic about how they feel mm-hmm. instead of not being truthful. And that's bringing about a lot of healing. So you, yeah. you must have a really good like line of communication with each other. I think she's one of the few people in my 3D life or from my 3D life outside of our community that actually and especially for my childhood I think for my childhood she's the only one that Mm -hmm. even understands any of this she's the only Mm -hmm. one that I can talk to about any of this stuff because and honestly she is authentic she Mm -hmm. lives her truth and I think that's why we've stayed connected we've we've been able to come back around and say hey I'm sorry you know I messed up right you know and own our shit still love each other and move through it you know yeah that is a wonderful example. And I know one of the things I notice in my kids and their friends is just the emotional uh, IQ <laughs> has leveled up so much yes. uh, through the generations after mm-hmm. me. And that encourages me a lot because um, I agree. even if, uh, you know, the 40 plus crowd um those that want to oppress those that want to maintain the status quo try to uh impose more more rules and more oppression the the younger generation is not having it they just they're not gonna have it at all they Mm -hmm. will not have it at all yeah Mm -mm. my i know my son and from what he's told me some of his classmates they're they're doing gay pride in elementary school now mm-hmm. yeah 11 12 years old they're 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 putting rainbow flags on their classroom artwork mm-hmm. you know they're owning it he's i'm not well he's out now but he's 12 and a half he's bisexual he's out mm-hmm. you know um like these kids are very much more in tune and i think it's a beautiful thing because i didn't I do too and I, I i grew up in los angeles and that's a very liberal place but even when I was growing up, being gay was still very, mm. in 1998, mm-hmm. 99, that was still very taboo. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You weren't allowed to talk about that until like at the earliest, maybe high school. And even then, it, there was still judgment and still, mm-hmm. still bullshit. And like you're saying, even yeah. in California, someplace that you would think would be very um, progressive, I, grew up in the bay area up in northern california so mm-hmm. since we were near san francisco we were probably way more progressive than other areas oh, but yeah. we still had the surfer bro dudes and different you know we had like 
they would, you know, they would use the other F word disparagingly and all of those kinds of things mm-hmm. on a regular basis because that mm-hmm. was just what they said. And um, I, like, I never liked it, you know, I never, but I can remember feeling like pretty powerless to do much to stand up for others. You know what I mean? Because it was, yeah, it was so pervasive. Uh, like, it almost seemed like any attempts at open-mindedness or just acceptance, tolerance, just leave people to frick alone um, would have like backlash, you know? And, mm-hmm. and even though, like you're saying, you know, we do, cause we had a P flag club in high school um and there were kids that were out and everything but there was still such a hard homophobic pushback from um mostly from I would say from cis men and it's probably because at the time they were maybe struggling with their own questions about themselves Mm -hmm. I think a lot you know but and then also it's just what they were taught I mean we were God, Gen X was like programmed to be savages, I swear. And I, I mean, it's a, it's a good thing that we developed the sarcasm and sense of humor so that we could get out of that uh, and do better, you know, but mm-hmm. it's such a, it's such a bummer to me that um, like you had that experience and, and I mean, kids still have that experience Um, they do my youngest you know we're in a conservative area and he doesn't feel safe he just doesn't feel safe being fully out yet and it's not so much um that anything has necessarily happened here physically but just you know I get it like uh, there were times when I felt uncomfortable in my body around what was considered the normal people because my body wasn't mm-hmm. the right shape or size. And so I know what that feels like to, to just not even want to go somewhere because you know you're going to be treated in a way that is disrespectful or you're going to be oppressed or you're going to be the butt of a joke mm-hmm. in some way. And so I feel like it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting that all this is coming up with the ancestors right now about wanting us to heal these things and empower ourselves and others. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I think, I think it's critical. I think it, I mean, just, especially with the generation that's coming, like our kids, like, mm -hmm. like you said, they're so self-aware and they're so determined to live their truth that I really feel like it falls on us to make sure that they're safe. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, and if, I mean, for me, especially having grown up in a more like moving here to the middle of the country when I was 24, I think is when I came here it was still like 10, 20 years behind the whole rest of the world uh, mm-hmm. in attitude, in beliefs, in, in public discourse, in technology. And it was a culture shock for me because I came from a place where we had diversity. We had 
everybody at my high school, you know, every, mm-hmm. every race, every, uh, orientation. Um, we mm-hmm. didn't really have any kids that knew they were trans in high school, but later they transitioned. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, coming here and having people like openly say the N word and just, it was like, yeah, no. And it was hard because I was the California outsider, you know, mm-hmm. I was the outsider yeah. and uh, not a local, not a native. And so um, I did my best to mm-hmm. assert that what they were saying wasn't acceptable to me or the entire group of people they were targeting. But mm-hmm. I also had to like keep a job and those kinds of things and yeah. uh it was rough and so while things are a lot better you know there's still a lot more work to be done obviously yeah i've been wasting a lot of time this last two weeks during pride month arguing with uh mostly white cis men on <laughs> news, <laughs> news threads <laughs> <laughs> about why you. pride is important <laughs> and i don't i don't disrespect anyone but i do i do tell them why pride's important you right. know, like why why we celebrate it why it's important and why they shouldn't be disrespecting it right it's just, yeah and, and part of what i think is so misunderstood is they don't get that it's about it's about human rights that this mm-hmm. it's and, and that it overlaps and intersects with civil rights for, um, you know, BIPOC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's all the same animal. It's all the same it thing. Is. And by being, by being visible and uh, giving people, you know, allowing people to be seen and also others to see them I mean I know there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people whose minds have been changed I'm sure because Mm -hmm. of pride about just respecting other people's choices and not being so uh, but yeah I've noticed a lot of nastiness and I spent um, I actually got it from a nap before we got in here I've been spending a lot of time the last few days especially um just trying to emanate that love field that I have that I Mm -hmm. talk about expand out my love bubble big enough to cover the planet to support you know everybody during this pride month and especially the Mm -hmm. pride weekend um because with with pride and then Juneteenth and then um Mm -hmm. like father's day where it's kind of like the first holiday where people get to see each other uh which i always forget about father's day but that's a whole other story (laughs) it's just (laughs) i mean have one for a lot of my life you know but um but i have just been sending out that love and protection and asking you know my galactic team to like call in reinforcements because i i worry I worry about the friction. I worry about the the clashing. You know, the counter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, they call it. They call themselves counter protesters, but it's like, but we're not protesting anything. You are. You know, no, they're, just I mean? bigots. They're, just bigots. <laughs> they're just bigots. They're just bigots. 
but anyway, um, I think, and this is intentional and, and it's going to, um, things are being brought to a head so that the poison can be released and let exactly. out. But, but I've just been focusing on safety and protection because I, I know that this is a little bit of a tinderbox right now. Um, mm -hmm. because the people who want to hold on to their, in, their racism, their homophobia, their whatever it is, uh, are being, you know, it's kind of like the death throes of a dying thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they don't want to face their shadow and mm -hmm. they don't want to deal with the ancestral trauma. They don't want to turn around and mm -hmm. face what, we as white people and our ancestors mm -hmm. have either committed or have been complacent in allowing yeah. to happen mm -hmm. and and it took me a while even as a liberal to like fully mm -hmm. own that it's not easy but at this point in history we can't do this anymore mm -hmm. you know we can't we have we have police killing black men and women on necessarily or people and color children in general <laughs> and children what in the uh, and I've heard people say this and it's sad my son's half Mexican but I am grateful he's a little bit more on the pale side mm -hmm. because his dad has been wrongly thrown to the ground and beaten up by cops and mm -hmm. harassed by cops followed by cops bullied mm -hmm. by cops I witnessed a chunk of it you know mm -hmm. being married to him for 10 years and and I'm not saying I understand a black person's plight or a Hispanic person's plight but I've witnessed it enough to know mm -hmm. it's true yes and you, know, you know it is true yeah yeah it's very mm. frustrating and these and these like cis white men that don't want to that don't want to face that shadow it's just like I, I I don't know like it's like just because something isn't part of your narrative part it just because you haven't experienced something doesn't mean it's not true and there's right. how many I don't I don't even know how many what is it like 12 13 percent of our population is black right At most yeah it's not so yeah I mean our our their fear of not being it's like you already have a, a majority in the U.S. anyway. I like worldwide. I think it's becoming, you know, more like if you count everybody in the entire world, we're it's still like we're still we still have more white people than you know what I mean. Like oh, absolutely, just, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And um, I, you go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, but I, my thing is, it's like why would millions of Black Americans be lying? Mm hmm. Yeah, they have nothing this. to gain from it. All they get Why? is shit for telling the truth, you know. <laughs> and it's interesting because um, I've, you know, I've been observing this, and like you said, I, I cannot speak to the experience of being a person of exactly. color or even being, um, you know, a person on the LGBTQ spectrum. I have had, and so here's where it comes in. And here's where we get in trouble. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up about like 
learning, even as a liberal person, uh, to accept our own ingrained racism and mm -hmm. our complicitness and our privilege. Because here's where we fall into a trap. And I think this is why so many uh, white people in general, especially white ladies, because we have that mm -hmm. chip on our shoulder of being women, uh, we... It, there's, there's, it's very complicated, but it is difficult for people who have had a hard life, people who are white, who have had a hard life, and who maybe didn't have any ancestors who were even in this country or slave owners or whatever. It is hard for them, and, I, cause it, and I'm saying them because I'm one of them. It was hard for me for a time because I grew up fighting for civil rights. I grew up believing that that was true but I also grew up after I examined myself more in the last few years I also grew up being given still racist messages at home mm -hmm. I you know didn't speak up enough I turned a blind eye to violence because I was afraid to look at it and it is very difficult when you have multiple chips on your shoulders so like for my case all right I was trafficked I was, I grew up poor on welfare. I have multiple disabilities. I grew up in a larger body and I'm female. So I have like five strikes against me. But even with all that, I still know now because I've examined this in myself that mm -hmm. I still have privilege. I still Absolutely. have privilege. And if, if I had had all those things and been a person of color, I don't even know if I'd be alive now, to be honest, because I wouldn't have gotten the medical care. I wouldn't have, you know, mm -hmm. there's things I was able to get because I'm absolutely, you know, a white woman. And, and I had to absolutely. learn to recognize that. And because of that, uh, and my children reflecting back to me that, like when I would say dumb, you know, racist things at home, stereotypey kind of things, um, <clears throat> like I could see that it pained them, like it made them hurt. And mm -hmm. feeling them being hurt by it when it, you know, it doesn't directly, it's not directly about any of us here. And they have, you know, no reason from their environment to understand but they do they understand that it is inherently wrong and then and it makes them feel sick to their stomach and bad mm -hmm. to hear it and when I started observing that as they started to grow up and as I looked at myself more I realized that uh, you know and once I saw it that's the thing we just need people to look at it and it doesn't mean you have to declare I am a racist. It's just that mm -hmm. white ladies and, you know, cis white men need to admit that they have this conditioning and that they have, even if they haven't personally done anything, they have been complicit and allowed behavior mm -hmm. and they've had a privilege their whole lives simply because of the color of their skin. And that's just the way it is. And once you yeah. see it, you can't unsee it. It's like one of those books, you know, those magic eye books, like once you see <laughs> And so now, oh, yeah. like, I can't, I can't even say that stuff anymore. And when other people say it, I feel 
uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I feel exactly sick to my stomach. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm listening to the guys on Mad Men talking about women. You know what I mean? Like I feel <laughs> yes. like I'm listening to abhorrent behavior from people. And so I'm unfortunately going to take on the uh, job of trying, trying, that's all I can do is try to help maybe other white women understand this and understand why their tears are not appropriate, why their Mm -hmm. tears are manipulation, why, you know, and why we are complicit and we do have privilege. And if you refuse to look at that and recognize it, then you're not going to move forward, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Like, and I understand that. I understand the ego thing and them having a hard life and being like, I don't have privilege. I Mm -hmm. put myself on my Mm -hmm. bootstraps. What are you talking about? I wasn't privileged growing up. Yeah. Sit down, sit down. This country caters to people of your skin color, honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. even though you had, you may have had a lot hard life. No one's knocking that, but that your life compared to someone that would have had the same exact life that would have been a person of color, mm-hmm. you're way better off because you would have had more opportunities to climb yourself out. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it, and it, people just need to like put down the ego. And it's not even about feeling guilty per se. It's just right. about owning it, recognizing it. And yeah. just moving forward from it because we that's what our society was we're part of the program mm-hmm. you know we were programmed by our society and it's on us to wake up and step away from that mm-hmm. it, it, i mean it's not necessarily about guilt or shame it's just about fixing it at this right. point yeah changing behavior mm-hmm. uh because that's the thing is like, you can give all the lip service you want to supporting a thing or believing everyone is equal, but if you're still saying things that perpetuate, mm-hmm. even in the guise of humor, if you're still saying mm-hmm. things that perpetuate negative stereotypes, yep. um, you're doing harm and you're making it harder for other people who are just trying yes. to exist in the world and have the same rights and opportunities and experience that you white person get to have yeah Yeah. um yeah i'm really glad that that came up because i think what it's going to take is for more people like us to come out and admit you know here's how here's what I did wrong. Here's what I have taken mm-hmm. responsibility for. Here's oh, yeah. what I have owned about myself. You know, here's what I've learned in other for others, in order for others to get it. Because I think, you know, there's too many, it seems like most of the people who are like speaking up, let's say, like white women wise, they're usually more socioeconomically privileged and you know they they they're in like a higher you know what I mean like a higher bracket of income and opportunity and education and all that and so they need to hear it from women who truly did also have equally as shitty a life as they did and have still been able to acknowledge yes but I still had privilege and I need to do better 
you know, and these are the ways in which I have been transgressing against others and I'm not going to do it anymore. And even if I haven't been doing it or saying anything, there's a good chance that you have been hearing it and either through fear or just wanting to be blind to it, not said, yeah, that, that really wasn't funny. That was, that's yeah. hurtful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, for me, I've definitely been more vocal. Mm-hmm. I've been more and and I try to be respectful <laughs> I do mm-hmm. my best but I I try to point it out to them and if I'm called to trigger them I will <laughs> right <laughs> and, uh, I love the episode so. <laughs> Tristan not afraid to trigger <laughs> <laughs> but like it, it they just uh, I'm so tired of it. Even my own family. I'm I'm so like, I can't even talk to my parents about it. Like they're, they're good people. Don't get me wrong, but they do so much of that subliminal stuff that they don't even Mm, recognize. mm -hmm. And it's hard for me to listen to. And it's like, sometimes I, with them, it's kind of hit and miss. Cause I, it's harder when it's family with strangers. I'm much with strangers I'm much more able to speak up with family I still correct them from time to time but it it's hard <laughs> it's, yeah it's hard especially when you have a dad approaching 70 and it's like right and yeah. I love him to death he's a wonderful person but like his like perspective on black lives matters is skewed mm-hmm. and like and I just I've told him it's wrong and yeah, that's the I, other I, thing is like, we kind of have to have, and I, I mean, it's not like, oh, they get a pass because they're old. That's not what I'm saying. If they're no. actively being oppressive and hurting others, then that, you know, they're accountable. But uh, I know how difficult it was for me to break 50 years of conditioning. So mm-hmm. 70 or 80 years of conditioning, you know, yeah. it's like, you can only expect so much growth, but there is a tremendous amount of it happening right now. I'm watching other people's, you know, folks wake up to a lot. So mm-hmm. you, you never know. One day he might be telling, you know, I think I was wrong about that Black Lives Matter, Tristan. <laughs> My dad has come so long, so far in the last 10 years that it wouldn't surprise me if he came around in the next couple of years and understood it better because he's mm-hmm. made a lot of progress like he is a completely different person than he was 15 20 years ago completely mm-hmm. um he's made I'm proud of him quite mm-hmm. actually quite frankly I'm proud That's of him he's great. come a long way um but there's still some some tweaking that needs to be done and my mom <laughs> yeah. My mom's a little bit more receptive, but she's kind of, it depends on her mood. Um, mm-hmm. And she, and she, and she even said like, oh, well, my generation, you just kind of have to let them believe what they want to believe. And I, I, I flat out told her, I'm like, we're at a point in our history where we can't do that anymore. We can't, we can't mm-hmm. just let things keep flying. Cause that's what led to Trump being in office. That's what mm-hmm. led to DACA being repealed, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. that, like things that affected my son's immediate family you know Mm -hmm. like what in the bloody hell you know like we can't be silent anymore Mm -hmm. we're fucking ourselves over we're fucking our extended families over yeah by staying silent and it's just it's we're fucking over our future grandkids and great grandkids because the way the way we're going 
everybody's going to be multiracial in a couple hundred years mm-hmm. you know like we're all going to be like mixed mm-hmm. we need to make sure that our our uh, oh, I can't think of it the generations that come after us mm-hmm. are descendants there you go descendants like we have to yeah we have to make sure that they are good you know yeah I know you have to go in a yeah. few minutes but oh no it's um, okay we're good we're good I was I'm not uh we don't need to go quite yet so um that's probably a good place that we can cut off the conversation but for our listeners you are a very talented a uh, reader and gave me a wonderful reading that was very helpful and um, important at the time and um, poignant. So tell the listeners uh, how they can get a hold of you if they would like to book a reading with you. Oh, absolutely. They could find me. The easiest way I think is just um, Instagram. You can go to pretty underscore bananas six, six, seven, and that's my page. And in the bio there, that has my link tree with all my art and my readings. And oh, all right. I completely spaced out that you're also a talented artist. Um, <laughs> and most of all, you're my wonderful, insightful, intuitive friend. And I'm so happy that we got to talk today because I really feel like this was so divinely timed. It makes sense why our conversation was impossible to record last time. And I feel like a lot of what we talked about today was a lot of stuff that's been kind of bothering me. And I was wondering when I was going to get a platform to speak about it. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, I really appreciate it. And um, so listeners go follow Trista and thank her for being on the show and book a reading with her. because She's really great. And um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you, lady. You have a good one. Thank you. You too. Don't go anywhere yet. Right, take- <laughs> Introducing a new collaborative podcast, Meow Podcast, M-E-O-W-W, that's Muse, Elf, Oracle, Witch, and Wizard, a panel discussion on YouTube amongst people of different disciplines talking all things woo to help you along your personal ascension, expansion, spiritual journey. It's not a vibe, it's a frequency. Check out Meow Podcast on YouTube and you can get us at themeowpod at gmail.com. If you would like to be a guest on the pod, please give us an email. Otherwise, go check us out today on Meow Podcast. It's nothing but fun and a frequency of love. that fun and insightful and gosh we had so much fun chatting I kind of couldn't believe how that came up the way it did Uh, and that I had nothing to do with it I hadn't you know we were going to just talk about past lives and soul families reincarnation had no intention of dipping a toe in the uh, ism shadow work pool, you know. Uh, and 
I think it turned out pretty good. I, I, I can't believe that, I mean, I can. Synchronicities are pretty much constant at this stage of the game, but, you know, Juneteenth, Pride Weekend, all of that is on a lot of people's minds, and also Father's Day, to anyone out there who has fulfilled a paternal role, whether you are a bio dad, an adopted dad, uh, a gay dad, a trans dad, um, a mom who had to be the dad, a grandma, a grandpa, you get the point. Thank you for those of you who have done your best to be a supportive parent and fatherly presence in the world, a nurturing, empowering presence. Man, that was great. That's like, it was like one of those nights where back in the day when I could tolerate more than one drink and I could stay up past uh, midnight where you'd go out with your friends to the club and dance and you would dance so much that you were sober from whatever you were drinking and, um, and then you'd all go out to breakfast after and you'd get home at like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning and be like, wow, that was great. That's what that conversation felt like. And a, a lot of that is just because Trista is wonderful and I have great chemistry with her. But also, it was the synchronicity of it, the divine timing, um, the, the timing with ancestral... Uh, trauma healing and shadow work and everything that's going on right now um, that it all came together at the right time so if you are having to stand up for yourself or you're going through difficulties with uh, your family or family uh, as one of my friends calls it when your friends are you know also your family um Hopefully this helps. And uh, I'm so proud of everyone. You're just all doing such amazing work. Till I sink in, I'm crawling on your shore. 
Bye. 